I will be forever the mess. You're the king of kings, <laughs> There's always a pecking order. The little peckers never mess with the big peckers. So I'm a rooster, and he's a chicken. This special episode of our fifth anniversary of the Bodybuilding Legends podcast is brought to you by our Patreon sponsors. If you would like to become a Patreon donor yourself, please go to the website bodybuildinglegendshow.com and in the upper right-hand corner, you will see the link to becoming a Patreon donor. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Bodybuilding Legends podcast where we talk to the legends of bodybuilding and we also talk about the history of bodybuilding. I'm your host, John Hansen. And as I said in the beginning, this is part two of our fifth anniversary show. We started this podcast in July 5th, I believe, in 2017, and 241 episodes later, we are still here, so we are celebrating our fifth anniversary. So last week, we had part one of the fifth anniversary special, so this week, we will have part two, and uh, basically, what I do on these anniversary shows is I'm just featuring clips of some of my most favorite episodes from the last five years. So we've got a all-star lineup this episode. We've got clips from Chris Cormier and Vince Taylor, Samir Benut, Mike Katz, Earl Menard, Danny Padilla, and others. So, so this is going to be another really special episode on the Bodybuilding Legends podcast. We might have a part three. I'm not sure, guys, but definitely want to get a part two out because with 240 shows, uh, there's just so much material, and I had fun going through some of these old shows and listening to uh, some of the great interviews we did. So we got a great lineup. I did get a, an email from somebody, and they were saying that on Spotify and Apple iTunes, where they listen to the podcast, I guess they only have like 100 episodes. They don't go all the way back to 2017. So uh, they were asking why that was, and I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'll have to try to figure that out. But we do have them all on the bodybuildinglegendsshow.com website. In fact, I just updated all the shows, so I have, I made sure they're all on there. So you can go in there and just click on podcast, and we have every single podcast we've ever done, going back to the very first one with Randy Roach, which was our first show in July of uh, 2017. So if you missed some of these episodes, especially some of the ones we're uh, show previews of today or, or clips of today, you can go back to the uh, website, bodybuildinglegendshow.com, and look for them there. All right. What else is going on? I hope you guys are enjoying your summer out there. Man, we're almost at the end of July, so we only got about another month left of summer. So I hope everybody out there is enjoying their vacation time. I know I'm doing uh, online training with ProPhysique.com, and a lot of my clients are going on vacation. So it's kind of a slow time of the year for uh, personal training or uh just staying in shape because this is the season where everybody just kind of takes off and enjoys it. But if you guys are looking to change your body, if you're tired of your summer body or your dad body, ProPhysique.com is having a transformation contest. So they did one of these at the beginning of the year in January. They're doing another one now. This one will start on August 1st and it'll go three months. So it'll go all the way to Halloween, August 1st to October 31st, 12 weeks. And I think it's $50 to enter, and they're giving away, I think, $25,000 in prize money. So there's some chance to win some money and get in great shape. And if you're looking for a coach, you don't have to have a coach. You can just join it yourself and get in shape. But if you're looking for a coach and you want to use me, uh, just put me down as your preferred coach, and I'll 
help you to get in shape for this pro physique challenge that's coming up and only like one more week. Let's see what else is going on. I'm still doing our muscle maturity podcast, which is actually a, a show on YouTube. And this runs every Tuesday. This is part of Old School Labs. And it's me and Samir Benut and Nick Trigilli. So I think we've done like six or seven shows so far. I think our seventh show is coming up this week. That's going pretty well. We just talk about the current topics of the day. And then me and Samir always tell some old school stories. So if you guys want to check that out, just go to YouTube under Old School Labs YouTube channel. They're planning a trip out to California where all of us are going to go out there. And I guess they have some kind of ambassador program where they're picking two ambassadors a month. And all those ambassadors will be on this trip as well. So they're sending everybody out to California, and I believe this is going to be the end of September. Keep you guys updated on that. And I think we're going to do a live broadcast for the podcast, and we're going to go to Gold's Gym and work out with everybody. I think they got some, a couple other things planned too. So it sounds like a great time. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And uh, then, of course, we got the Olympia coming up in December out in Vegas. So a lot of things coming up this fall. I'm still on this uh, bodybuilding magazine kick. It's like an addiction for me. I got to stop because I keep buying, I'm keep going on eBay and buying all these old bodybuilding magazines. Now I'm trying to like get my collection updated. All these old Ironmans going back all the way to like 1966, 1965. So, but anyways, I've got a lot of extra magazines that I've been selling on eBay. So if anybody out there is looking, for some old bodybuilding magazines, I've got a bunch of Iron Man from the 70s, really some great stuff, and they're in great shape. These, these magazines are, like, brand new. So I've got some extra ones. I'm trying to sell them, and I've been selling them on eBay. But if uh, you guys are interested, of course, I'd rather sell them to uh, the listeners of my podcast. Just send me an email at naturalolympia at gmail.com, and I will send you guys out what I have. I'll send you a list of what I have. I've also got a lot of new Iron Men. Well, not new, but... They're about like 20 years old, 15 years old from the 2000 era, early 2000s to like 2010, things like that. Like when I was writing for the magazine, I've got a bunch of extra ones of those, so I'm selling those as well. So like I said, if you're interested, just uh, send me an email at naturalolympia at gmail, and I'll let you guys know what I have. And I mentioned our uh, Patreon donors at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I'm doing something special now for all the people who are Patreon donors to the podcast. I'm sending them them out something special each week. So uh, I sent some clips. I sent a clip of the Wayne Galash interview that we've got coming up. I sent them that already. And uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been sending out like videos. And I've been basically reading articles from some of these old magazines and making them into videos. So I put a lot of pictures to it, all the pictures that were in that magazine that I'm reading from. I put that into a video form, and I've been sending it out to our Patreon donors just as a way of saying thanks for helping to support the podcast. So last week we did one about Casey Viator winning the 1970 Teenage Mr. America contest at only 18 years old. I had some great pictures of Casey. And the week before that I did another video about the 1965 Mr. Olympia and Mr. Universe and Mr. America contest that was held in New York. That was the very first one that Larry Scott won. So had some great stuff there. So if you guys are interested in helping to support the podcast, I will be helping you guys out and giving back to you as, as a means of thanks for helping to support the show. All right, that's all I got for the opening. So let's get to part two of our fifth anniversary show. And we're going to start off with one of the first interviews I did with Chris Cormier. And this was actually before the podcast even took off. I started just recording these guys on video 
And I did that for a couple of years before we started the podcast in 2017. So this was actually the very first interview I did. And it was with Chris Cormier, who at the time was living out in Tampa, Florida, where I live. And he was training Ben Pikulski and he had an apartment out here. And so he was training at the Powerhouse Gym downtown Tampa, where I trained. And I got a chance to meet up with Chris and got a chance to do an interview about his life. So in this clip of the interview that we did, Chris is going to talk about meeting Mike Matarazzo in 1991 when Mike came to Gold's Gym from Boston and was training out there. And it was Chris and Mike and Flex Wheeler all training for the Mr. USA contest that year. So they had a big rivalry going out at Gold's Gym. And then Chris is going to talk about Flex winning the Mr. USA contest the next year in 1992. And he's also going to talk about his famous fight with Mike Tyson at the Roxbury Club where he was bouncing. Here we go. From, uh, from the East Coast to, right. to Venice. And once that happened, you know, we was like, man, this big guy here, we all we were all going for the title through right. the same gym. So we had the top, so three of the top four all were training the same gym. Wow. Out of Golden Venice. And right. It was intense enough to where we were saying stuff to each other yeah. in between sets. Or yeah, I heard about during, that. During sets. Yeah. I go say stuff to Mike to mess with him, mess with his head. Now, you didn't know him that well, right? No, I didn't know him that well. Awesome. Yeah. But I, but I, when he came, I said, hey, man, I'm, I know you're from out of town, but, you know, if you need anything, let me know. You know, I was I was friendly and stuff at first, and then it, got, it turned kind of weird because I thought that some people were saying that he was saying that I didn't belong on stage with him. And so I was like, I took that kind of personal at the time. Yeah. Because where I come from, that you say anything about anything. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, you want to use, you want to, I, I wanted that because I wanted to use something. I don't care. It was made up or what. I wanted something that make me a little edgy. Yeah. And to make me a little upset. And I want to train harder. And I want to put that energy, you know, into making myself better. Right. So you and Flex are training together. And he's training by himself on the other side of the gym. And you guys are going back and forth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we all wanted to win it. You know, we're all looking at each other while we're training. While we're doing our sets, we're looking at each other. Right. It was just, it was awesome, though. <laughs> those are know, the days. Yeah, huh? those are the days that we laughed about it, you know, yeah. years later. Maybe right, right. We became, became really good friends, and uh, you know, you know, rest in peace. I, yeah, I, uh, you know, we came, you know, became good friends, and mm-hmm. and we really enjoyed those times. But we was like, man, that was fun. Yeah. What do you feel about him winning? Because he, he, that was pretty well, surprising. He came out of nowhere. And, yeah. The thing is, he had those huge arms, those yeah. huge calves. But I wasn't ready for that. I was. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I was 23 years old, and at least I took fourth. Uh, I took fourth that year. And uh, I was like, okay. And now I had the same pressure on myself that said, if I didn't make the top five in America, then it's over. I'm not doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? so, so each year I had some type of pressure, yeah. you know, about me to keep to continue on and and pursue this uh, this dream I had of being uh, one of the best bodybuilders. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important that you you do put pressure on yourself. You know, like I got to do this, I got to do that, because that's what makes you push harder. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Now in '92, did you compete? I know you won the USA in '93. No, I I took '92 off and I I uh, I put all my focus on on Flex's competition. Right, because that's your uh, yeah. So me and myself, uh, Flex and Rico McClendon, we all we all formed this like little pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were all hungry. We all wanted to win. We always wanted to be the best. We were the strongest in the gym. Like the whole gym would stop and watch us train. Yeah. And it was, you know, we were throwing up some astronomical uh, weights. Right. And I was doing 
I was doing thousand pound hack squats for like ten reps. I remember that, yeah. And you know, with ease, it wasn't yeah. like something that was. You know, now I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. <laughs> you know, but um, you know, we was so flex. We just we just all got behind flex and pushed him as hard as we could in the posing room and the in the training aspect. Mm-hmm. We did cardio together. We hit the firehouse together. We went back for another session together. Right. We worked at the nightclub at the nighttime at the Roxbury nightclub together. Uh huh. And we were together 24-7 for, for years. Wow. Hey, I want to ask you something. You just mentioned nightclub. I'm, I remember reading something where you said uh, you and Mike Tyson sort of got into it. Yeah. <laughs> that was the same year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What happened there? Yeah, in 92, he was a world champion, and he came to Roxbury. You know, everyone was going to that club. It was uh, You would see Mick Jagger there on any given night. Wow. You have uh, Rick James would come through there. You have uh, Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's her name? Madonna. Yeah. She was yeah. frequently yeah. there all the time. And a, and, a, and a ton of other actors and, and singers and models. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he was, I got introduced to Mike, and he, he was, you know, he, was, he got a little drunk after a while, but he had like a whole line of women, like, going out the door waiting to give. Yeah, we, we had little black books. They had a tablet. A yellow tablet, uh-huh. writing women's name <laughs> on it. <laughs> Little black book, yeah. <laughs> and he had a he had a ton of people with him 20, 20, 20 people, persons, entourage. Yeah, they all in the gym. They all grabbing the women. They all doing all sorts of things like like the wild wild west, you know. Right, right. And uh, he he sort of like. You know, he got to the point, you know, I, I haven't heard in his some of his books or interviews that when he had seen someone that's bigger than him, he'd want to go up and show them up like, I'm, you know, yeah. I can knock your big ass out, like that right. type of thing. Right. And it, it came to me like that's exactly what he was like. Right. You know? I was I was bigger than him as far as mass-wise, but he, and I was a little bit taller. But we was, you know, we was right there, and yeah. he uh, he sort of just like came up and slapped me in the back of the head, like really, yeah. And it's, his hands are like hard, like stone. Right, I ain't gotta tell you what he does right. in his hands. And he uh, and it felt like someone hit me with a brick, like out of nowhere, like wow. in the back of the head. Like so, I turned around with rage because you know you bouncing, you yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You trained to go already, you know. And uh, I turned around and I said, "What the." <laughs> and it was Mike Tyson, you know, and that that feeling was like someone had a gun to you, like that. Right. And so he's like, he was like, zoom, like all this adrenaline started going, and and then he started coming at me like, well, what you want to do, like you know, like that. He was like, I said, who, I said, who, I said, like who the fuck, you know? Yeah. He was like, <laughs> like this guy told me to do it, and I was like, I was just ready to go, man. But and he had this wrestling background, so not like I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna box him, but I was definitely gonna take him down right but I was just thinking you know Rico was right there Flex was like over here I'm seeing in my peripheral vision and uh he uh start coming at me like this really yeah and I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> I see that before I woke you up, right? <laughs> yeah like I see that one before <laughs> and so you know and so he was coming towards me, and I'm backing up at the same time. And then, then a lot of people, you know, swarmed in and got right. between us and stuff like right. that. But 
That was my uh, and you know, and then we, yeah, but we went looking for him the next weekend because really? I, was, I was still upset. Yeah, really? yeah. I wanted to apology. You know, I didn't want to go to court. I didn't want to arrest, arrest anybody, but I wanted him to give me an apology. And so we kind of got that out of him. Uh, we met up. We saw him. We went looking for him around town. But we met up with him at a restaurant where everyone used to go after the club. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Larry Parker's restaurant back in Beverly Hills. Okay. So, so we kind of like. He apologized? Yeah. But, we were, but we were laughing at him because they, they showed a video when he was... Uh, they showed a video when he was... When he got knocked down by Buster Douglas. Yeah. And we were, like, laughing, like, <laughs> laughing our knees. Like, <laughs> we were, like, the only people in the whole restaurant laughing. <laughs> it was four of us. Uh, <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> All right, so our second interview clip, this one is with Vince Taylor. Vince is a great interview, and, uh, of course, Vince got started in bodybuilding after meeting John Brown over in Germany, where Vince was staying with his brother, who was in the military. So in this part of the clip, uh, Vince talks about meeting John Brown for the first time in Germany. But I went to the show and um, didn't even know John was there. I was had an argument with my girlfriend at the time, and I was just out just driving around. So I rolled past the arena or the hall, and it said bodybuilding contest. You know, so I took my little Deutsch marks out, went in there, sat down, and as I passed him in the audience, you know, he waved. And we talked a little bit. Then he was down to do his ready to do his thing, so he called me to him. Mm-hmm. He asked me to come with him and um, keep an eye on some stuff for him. I said, absolutely, you know, I got your back. <laughs> so we talked, and uh, he's back there warming up, and he was asking me about bodybuilding. And at the time, I hadn't even done anything. I was like, yeah, I want to try it, you know. I'd love to try it. I used to think about it before. And he's looking at me. He's like, man, you got a little small waistline, and uh, you got some big arms. You know, I said, ooh, look at them calves. Man, you, you need to try bodybuilding. You got all the essentials right now. Right. I'm like, really? So he asked me to hold his money. Uh, he was signing autographs. Man, after he did his thing, I was watching him get down on stage, and I was gone. <laughs> that exhibition he put on, he had, man, 6'2", six, six two, 250-something pounds, jury curled down, looking like Michael Jackson, moonwalking, <laughs> breakdancing on stage, right, and right. everybody was electrified. Right. I'm going like, that's what I got to do. Huh. And the uh, king part today, he came out in the lobby and was signing the autographs, and uh, he asked me to hold his bag. And I opened the bag up, just a pillowcase. He had all kind of German money in there. I'm like, Wow. Then he told me, he said, man, you got to come do what I'm doing and make some of this money. Ain't this crazy? So I held the money for him. He's like, I go pose now and again. So I'm sitting there. He doesn't doesn't know me from nobody. Right. I'm in Germany, right? I got all his money, his pictures sitting there, you know, just that kind of trust. So I'm like, okay. So he came back. He started signing autographs. And then they were going out to the club that night. And the girls were coming up asking for his name. I speak fluent German, you know, and they were, who is he? And I'm like, all the better. I got to get these muscles. You know, I can stand it in the clubs, <laughs> smelling cigarette smoke all night. And they just running up on me because I got muscles. That's what happened, bro. <laughs> all right. And continuing with Vince Taylor, in this part of the interview, Vince talks about going to California for the first time and training with John Brown at Gold's Gym and then what it was like to compete in his very first contest. So I got my little money together, waited for about a year, took that flight to L.A., John picked me up, and it was like, wow, never was in California again. You go on the Muscle Beach and all that whole stuff. I got John Brown with me, my idol. Mm-hmm. And when we got there, 
the strangest thing happened. I'm telling you, me training a little bit like I'm doing, me looking through the bodybuilding magazines and seeing all these guys. And then this one, we went to the Muscle Beach, and this guy walked by, and John said to me, you know who that is? I'm like, nah, who, I don't know. You know, he said, that's Charles Glass. So, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm like, first thing that dawned on me, this is not a big guy. I'm looking in the magazines, and these you guys are like knighted right. champions and everything. You know, I know this by heart now. That's all we do in Germany at lunchtime. Right. We in the magazines. Right. And uh, Tony Pearson walked by, and he said, that's Tony Pearson. I'm like, come on. These guys are not big. <laughs> right. I can get one of these guys now. That's my, my mindset. Right. Right? That kind of fired me up. Then hmm. I, so I stayed with John. He said, come for about six weeks, and uh, I lasted about two weeks <laughs> Only John was crazy training, man. I met Sean Ray for the first time. I think Sean was 18 years old. Wow. Uh, bulletin. You know, I got to the gym. He said, tell this guy over here, Sean Ray, baddest teenager in the world, man. So Sean came over. We spoke. Later on, we went over to Sean's house. Hmm. I get ready for the one of the nationals, I do believe, and uh, one of the shows. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, then I met Mike Christian and a lot of the other guys. Right. And um, I was training with John one day. And he was doing bench pressing. I'm not a strong guy. I'm only 160 pounds, 155 pounds at best then, so 160. And he was, <laughs> spot me. i never forget it. Spot me, Taylor. I said, okay. This guy had, looks like railroad tire tracks on this thing. You know, these, mm-hmm. these big old wheels on that bench. And he got down there. He slapped about four plates on each side. And he hit it a couple of times and put it up. I'm looking at this bar going like, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> then he put another plate on. And asked me to spot him. I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? <laughs> All right. So he gets the bar off, and I, he, he picks it up, Jay, and that thing started rattling. Man, it was just shaking me from the inside. I was scared to death. <laughs> What's going to happen if something happened? That was the first thing in my mind. Right. He took and he dropped it down. I pushed that bad boy up. <laughs> and he, he started to take it down again. I thought he was in trouble. So I'm reaching for the bar. Said, Taylor, get off, get off. I'm jumping back. You know. He pushed it up. He pushed it back down. Wow. And I looked at John, and I'm thinking, if I have to lift that kind of weight to be a bodybuilder, I'm done. Right. <laughs> Two days later, I called. I said, John, I'm going back to Germany, man. Bodybuilder is not for me. Really? Wow. Wait. That's a true story, man. John, I tell you, I was like shocked because I'm not a strong guy. Right. I'm putting that together. You got to be strong to be a bodybuilder. I'm like, I, 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 I can't do this. It ain't going to work. Yeah. So that, that killed that. <laughs> so when was your first contest then, Vince? Wow. 80, um. 83, 84. Okay. 84, Mr. Berlin. Um, crazy time. I was, didn't know anything. All right. I did my beef all the time. Now mm-hmm. it's time to diet down. So I started doing some tuna fish and rice. Okay. I got on that thing about th- almost three months. Tuna and rice. I was shredded, I guess. Must have weighed about 150 pounds tops because like, my weight was up a little bit off season, I guess, and just shredded down. I was going to pick up my friend Johnson at his home or meet him at his home. We were going to drive over to the event. Same place I met John Brown, same arena. And uh, we drove over there. And as we were getting ready to park, I was trying to pull into the the park behind the arena to park and go check in. And as I turned in the park, this car comes with someone inside and hits me. So, oh, man, you know, so that was a big wake up call. I'm sitting there, people going in and out the building, you know, you're supposed to be there, but you're sitting outside in the accident. So that took about 30 minutes to get clear it up. So people running around looking for people. So when the, when the police let me loose, you know, he stopped the traffic, put us back out on the road. 
So I'm in the second car in line, the car in front of me, light, you know. So the light changes. I look up, the car, you know, takes off. I look over my shoulder, so I want to turn to my right a little bit. And I looked over my shoulder and started again. Bam, hit the back of the car. Jeez. The car took off and stopped, right? It's so like I got two accidents in less than five minutes. Wow. I'm like, damn. <laughs> so <laughs> I called the cop says, just go ahead over. I got all your information. Just park it over there. See you later. So I parked across the street, ran into the hall, got in there, uh, trying to check in and everything. So I'm looking for my friend. Everybody was moving around scarcely. And I found him, and he was going out the door. It's on the stage door. So I went out the stage door behind him. So I'm just sitting there, you know, watching the guys on stage. And I'm like, these guys look like my size. He was a heavyweight. These guys look like my size. So for some reason, I decided to walk through the stage doors and put my head back there. And as soon as I did, this guy said, Vince, the boy is Vince Taylor. So I'm like, here, here, Benish, you know, like that. <laughs> he's talking in German to me. Where you been? Uh, we were looking for you. You're, I started pulling my clothes off. You know, he said, no, no, forget that. You know, your, your class is on stage right now. You can go home. I'm like, oh, my God, go home. Yeah, you can go home. You're done. I was like, my buddy came behind me. He said, what's going on? He said, man, my class is right there. I said, oh, man. So then the other guy comes up to me and says, well, you can compete in the heavyweights. That's what my buddy, I'm going like, oh, okay, well, you know, why not? You know, so I'm a light heavy, very, very, not even making a light heavy, really. And so I lines up with the heavyweights and we go out and they call me out in the first little call out. Long story short, I won. Wow. So I, a buddy and he was mad, <laughs> shocked the house. <laughs> so that's how that started, you know. So that was wow. 1984, Berlin. Okay. All right, now we're going to move on to an interview I did with Samir Benut. This was four years ago in 2018 when I went out to California again with Old School Labs. And uh, they had me and Samir and Tom Platts, who was uh, with the company back then. He's no longer with uh, Old School Labs. But I got a chance to interview Samir at Gold's. And uh, we were talking about him winning the Mr. Universe contest in 1979 and also almost competing in the Mr. Olympia the year before in 1978 against Tom Platts. And then we're also going to talk about Samir's first three Mr. Olympia appearances, which were 1980, 1981, and 1982. And that 79 was a big day for you, or a big year for you, because you won the Mr. Universe? Well, not too many know the story. 1978, I had a plan to go to Ocapulco, the Mr. Universe in Ocapulco. Okay. And I was ready. My buddy Tom Platt won that show, but I have some complication with Visa. Oh. And at the time, I was working with a guy named George Turner, also recently another old school. Yeah, from St. Louis. And George freaked out. He said, oh, my God, you could have done it. You, why are you waiting to the last minute? <laughs> I didn't know. And so, and, and that couldn't go to Acapulco. Yeah. But 79, uh, you did win the universe, and you beat out Ron Tufel. I was mad because I could have done so. It could have been really Tom Platt's top competition yeah. that year. You know, you never know. But, I mean, Tom, he won. He won. Was unbelievable, and so I came in good enough. I stayed with Tom Platt the first day in California, uh-huh. and Tom unintentionally he answered the phone and said, "Hello, Mr. Tom Platt, Mr. Universe." <laughs> I said, "Wait, wait, Tom, don't rub it in, Tom." <laughs> but you know, as you know, Tom is very competitive, a great guy. Yeah. 
and also deserve a lot of respect because Tom is actually true golden era with me because we came together almost simultaneously yeah. through California. It's crazy. It's insane that it is. what you see in your mind eyes happen. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. You know, before the 74 universe, I used to have a dream. I used to have a dream that I'm on stage, my arms being held, I'm the winner. Mm -hmm. But it didn't happen in Verona, but it did happen years after. Yeah, in 79. Mr. Olympia, Samir Banu. Deep down inside, I felt like I'm the top contender for that title. Mm -hmm. And you know... Tom is a badass bodybuilder, so I would have known. I would have probably been in his toughest competition. Yeah. But he wanted, I wanted, everyone's happy. Right, right. <laughs> you both made it. Yes. When we both old school, you see? Right. So you did your first uh, Mr. Olympia in 1980 in Sydney, Australia. In 1980, Mr. Universe, Mr. Olympia. Mr. Olympia. I was so anxious. I was so happy just to take part in that show. Mm -hmm. And not too many people knew knew this but I trained like I was insane I overtrained okay I overdieted I was like so crazy about my prep but you know sometimes we could try too hard and that could backfire yeah and that's exactly what happened and so I had the body believe it or not I didn't have one milligram fat on me but I was puffed up yeah holding water hormonal reaction to stress and being anxious and all this it yeah. could work against you yeah you almost tried too hard beyond hard yeah I can't tell you what I thought but it doesn't matter now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but how was that competing against your idol Arnold because Arnold came back after five years of retirement you want to know something this is really funny I was there and I was more excited about being like, competing with Arnold yeah than beating him and so but I looked at myself I know that something wasn't right and I knew I wouldn't win so I was rooting for Arnold. Yeah. I'm serious. I was rooting for Arnold. Yeah. And you know, a lot of things had gone wrong in that competition. And, you know, the ultimate result was the judges picked up Arnold. And some of those guys were really upset. And, you know, those are like little disagreement backstage about mm -hmm. let's do it one class or two classes. Right, and, right. And I was one of the people that jumped in the middle to stop the uh, fighting. <laughs> Between Arnold and Mike Benzer. Yeah, but you know, it's a history and good memory. Yeah. yeah. It's a good memory. And then the next year, Franco won. You're another one of your well, idols. Yeah. Franco is another guy that I really liked yeah. over the years. You know, Arnold main associate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Franco actually had that injury at Universal Studio. Yeah. A strong man show where he broke his legs and it really didn't heal yet. Yeah. So he was a little bit behind on one of his legs. Yeah, and, one know, of his legs was smaller. And when you're standing next to Mr. Leg. Tom Platts, yeah. <laughs> Tom's legs is like scary out of this world. Yeah. And he was ready. Tom Platts actually made huge changes. Oh, huge changes. From that one year before to that Mr. Olympia. Yeah, yeah. And he really looked good and it was 81. Yeah. And I'm like still like looking, but just give me another year. <laughs> I'm not a sole loser. I learned something. You're right, right. I learned something. So you know, you go rewind, replay. You go to the drawing board. You're right. Like a football game to me, and so make the adjustment. Yeah, yeah. So I found out exactly what works for me, and I found out exactly why I delayed 
my winning for a couple of years mm -hmm. because trying too hard. Yeah. And so you know. So a lot of it was stress, right? The stress hormone. That's why I make the best effing trainer helping anyone out there. I'm not going to brag, but yeah. when you learn from making mistakes, this is when you become more capable yeah. of helping others. And to, to me, really, I love the real healthy way to bodybuilding because really, bodybuilding can be extremely healthy and you can reach the pinnacle the healthy way. Right. So then in 82, you finally got it right. And you came in shredded yeah. and you were the Samir Banu we were all waiting for. In 82, not too many people knew, know this, but I even went to UCLA to take a class about electrolyte management. And really? Yeah. Wow. I was studying exactly what causes the reaction. Uh, there, there's two different kind of, of fluid retention. Some of it is related to sodium, a different kind of sodium, and some of it is hormonal related. Yeah. And so I knew exactly what's happening. And so when I got it in control, there's no problem. Hmm. And it was slam dunk. And everybody right? was shocked. Everybody was shocked. <laughs> yeah, everybody <here>. like... <laughs> First thing that when I was in LAX, Luke, uh, what's his name, uh, Dennis Terrino, he said, uh-oh, he looked at my face, <laughs> he said, the lion of Lebanon, I guess everyone's in trouble. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he knew, so yeah. I dried up properly. And what's funny, when we got to London, I jumped in. From my room, I went down to take a quick sauna and mm -hmm. go in the jacuzzi, and I ran it into Frank and Christine. Oh, really? So Frank was walking out of the... You know, Frank was one of my motivators. He actually did help me early on. I used to go to his house in Santa Monica, and he was really cool with me. Yeah. And Christine, they're wonderful people. But when they when he saw me pulling it together, Frank looked at me and said, send me a show me, like, you go like this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was surprised. And my, Frank knew that I would be his closest competition. Yeah. You know, Frank came in second. Dickerson won. Right. Casey Vieto third. I was fourth. Right. You know, but uh, <laughs> the result could be a little bit different, but yeah. in my opinion. But also, it was an honor to be next to Zane, too. Yeah, yeah. Zane is one of my main heroes. And not to mention, not to forget, Chris Dickerson is one of the greatest. Yeah. And to me, Chris Dickerson, uh, he is Miss Olympia Plus, and he deserves everything he got. Yeah. You can never say anything but positive about Chris Dickerson. Yeah, yeah. And I love that person as a human being. He's a great guy. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. One of the most interesting interviews I did over the last year was I interviewed Ed Connors and Tim Kimber, and I had an interview with both of these guys about what it was like to own Gold's Gym during the heyday of bodybuilding in the 1980s when bodybuilding really reached its peak. And in the interview, Tim told me a really funny story about how Hollywood really loved bodybuilding in the 1980s, and they were constantly calling up Gold's Gym to shoot commercials and TV shows and movies. So in this part of the interview, Tim tells a really great story about when Heart to Heart, the television show with Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers, wanted to shoot an episode at Gold's Gym. So, but we were getting casting calls daily mm -hmm. um, for commercials. They're looking for bodybuilders, females, males. I mean, we were getting all the calls. And um, one of the calls came in was the, the show Heart to Heart. Yeah. And, and they were looking for a gym to shoot in. And they wanted to shoot in Gold's gym. So I, at the time we were getting, uh, it feels like like 500 bucks for a day mm -hmm. to let somebody come in and shoot. 
but these guys wanted to come in and take over the gym. So um, they want us to shut it down. How long did they want to do that for? Well, that was that's 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 their downfall that they had <laughs> because I think they booked like two or three days. Okay. But the interesting part of this was that we were actually moving to Venice in a few days okay. when they came in to shoot. So as best as I recall, but I do have the contracts, so I, if needed be, I could ever pull them back out. But I, as best as I recall, they contracted us for two days, and it, 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 and I charged them 2500 for a okay. day. So it was like $5,000, and we had to shut the gym down for two days. So the first day of shooting – Robert Wagner, this is heart to heart with Stephanie Powers and Robert Wagner. Yeah. And Robert hurts his back. Hmm. So under contract, they're obligated to pay for the two days. But, um, and again, again, the gym was shut down. We, we put signs up closed. Wow. So they're paying us the five grand. So then they, they have to obviously come back and shoot. And I think, and, and we've got champion bodybuilders, champion athletes, actors and actresses. And, and I, you know, I felt the pinch, yeah. you know, from our members that are an obligation to our members, really, that we needed to be open. Yeah. But we also needed the money because of the move. We were, you know, spending a ton of money. Um, help me, Ed, too, if I'm misspeaking, but the to make the move happen. So... Uh, I think they contract another day, and and I and I said five thousand dollars for the day, and I said you guys are killing me because <laughs> I've got to tell our members we're not open. Yeah, um, and these people you know expect us to be open. They they need us open, and um, so they pay it. They walk right back in with the check, and um. But now we got to move, and and I tell them, you know, look, um, we're we're moving, changing locations. They said, no problem, we can make that work. Oh, wow! <laughs> and and actually, we will move you in our trucks. No way! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they loaded up the gym in their trucks. Holy cow! And moved us to the Venice location, which is still in main room today. Yeah! Wow! Um, awesome. I'm also in this show as yeah. an actor. Yeah. Right? Frank Zane is, is the male, the, the, the bodybuilding lead, and I've got a little part in it as well. So I'm also, I'm caught, you know, with all this stuff. So to, to make a long story short, because I'm not remembering all the exact pieces, they book us again. Robert hurts his back. He can't do it. They've booked it. They come back for another day, and I said, I just kept doubling the day and I said twelve thousand five hundred for, for the next day, but I don't know why they weren't booking more days because it was obvious they weren't going to get this done in in a day right. or two days. Right. So they come back for another day, and I said twenty five thousand. I know they have it already in the can. They have nowhere to go. Right. Right for continuity, film continuity, they can't go somewhere else. I said twenty five thousand. 
we ended up getting $65,000. Holy shit. <laughs> total for the location shoot. And Robert Wagner comes up to me afterwards. He says, Tim, I got to shake your hand. That's the most we've ever paid for a location in our lives. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you, Robert. You probably saved us. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so it went from 5000 ended up being 65000 $65,000 we got and moved. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we got a collection of fake weight plates, which were invaluable in the uh, many photo shoots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, one of the most fun interviews I've done over the last five years was with the legendary Earl Menard. Now, Earl, of course, goes back to the 1960s. He was one of the best bodybuilders during that era. He actually competed in the very first Mr. Olympia contest back in 1965. He was one of three guys who competed in that contest. Larry Scott, of course, who was the winner, Harold Poole, and Earl was the third guy. So Earl was the only surviving bodybuilder left because, of course, Harold and Larry have passed on. So uh, I did a great interview with Earl. He's full of life and a great personality, and he had so many stories to tell. If you guys have never heard of my interview with Earl, I encourage you to go to the website, bodybuildinglegendshow.com, and search it out and listen to the whole thing because he was really a delight to talk to. So in this part of the interview, Earl talks about what it was like to compete in the Nava Mystery Universe contest compared to the IFBB back then, and also what it was like to compete against the great Bill Pearl and meeting Arnold and Franco. It was tremendous show. It was with us at the, some of the best venues, the Royal Albert Hall or the London yeah. Palladium. Classy outfit, dressed in suits and ties. Yeah. And the, the American guys, the, the, the AAU would send the, the winner of the AAU to Naba. But the AAU guys never had the cuts. They, they were smooth, big and smooth. Hmm. And... Uh, they never had the, the superb definition and, and, and cuts and separation of the European guys. Okay. So a lot of the guys weren't very fortunate, but some were very good who are uh, in the universe. Uh, but overall, I found that the Europeans had more definition. Okay. The, the American guys were bigger and a little smoother. Okay. But the AAU uh, type of Mr. America was a little bit different to the European type of, but the guys had better tans. You know, the, the, the American guys were tanned to the gills. And, uh, <laughs> and, and they, were, they were good posers. So maybe you see these, the, the white guys here of the pale skins in England and the American guys with deep tans and those metallic chunks and stuff, man. The audience <laughs> went wild. So I mean, even the judges were very impressed. Not always the best physique, but they looked very healthy and looked fit. So that yeah. helped a whole lot. <laughs> What did they use for tanning? Like the white guys, what did they put on their skin? Well, they, uh, I don't know. I, I don't use anything. They <laughs> <laughs> use uh, mantan and a few other things. Oh, okay. They make some concoctions there. Smelled yeah. awful. <laughs> but yeah. it worked. Right. But compared to the Californians uh, who are who sun bronze, you know what I mean? Like, you know? Right. right. I remember the show, I really brought a guy called Reg Lewis once from Cal- Californian guy, Reg yeah, Lewis. Okay. Red Lewis man looked like a Greek god, man. And, you know, the jet black hair and tan and trunks and two <laughs> legs. You know, he didn't win and Joe got very mad and found his own competition. <laughs> right. <laughs> so in, uh, in 1959, did you do the Mr. Universe in the IFBB, the one that Eddie Sylvester won? Yes. I won the Mr. World that night. Uh, okay. Eddie won, Eddie won the, uh, the Mr. Universe. Oh, okay. And uh, Eddie was a very nice guy. Yeah. That was my first time going to Montreal. And uh, Ben Will was very, very nice to me. 
Okay. And it was a bit short, but it was not as good as Nabal. It wasn't as organized. And uh, Nabal, Nabal was a, not a nice orchestra there, and and everyone dressed in the tea, and no one showed up in jeans. Everyone was sort of the suit and tie. And, it yeah. was, and then Jeff Paul Getty, who then was with the SMAP, presented the awards and that kind of stuff. And wow. The Royal Family would have been coming and watch the shows. So it was a different level yeah. of audience participation. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit smoothy yeah. as well, you know what I mean? A little bit step upper lip type of thing, you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, NABA was really the contest. That was the big contest, right? Of all the, uh, through the entire world, that was the one. The IFBB Mr. Universe was something else. Yeah. I thought, you, you, I mean, when Joe started the IFBB, I mean, he got upset because his guys didn't win in London and he decided to form his own thing. But I like what Joe did because in America, the, the Mr. America came after the weightlifting. Yeah. After the weightlifting competition, and then you're tired and, and late. Yeah. Joe said, uh-uh, we're going to bring the, make a bodybuilding show. Right. And give guys money. Right. And it gave the guys a chance to earn some money from the bodybuilding. So, I mean, it, it, Joe really did a fantastic job in spearheading yeah. uh, what it has become. Right. So, whatever you might think about Joe... To me, to me, I enjoy Joe's friendship. I worked for him for a while in London. He did a fantastic job with the IFBB towards us today. This guy's going to make a fantastic living from the show. Yeah. So let, let me ask you about 1961, because that was the year you went into the NABA universe up against Bill Pearl, up against your idol, right? Yes. In the yes. pro division. Yeah. How was that? Bill, Bill didn't do any back poses. He was smart. Bill, Bill didn't have a lot of definition in the back, and he was so. You had a guy called Leo Stern, his trainer, who uh-huh. was who was a mastermind. Right. And he, he had, when Bill was photographed, he only photographed Bill showing his best parts. Right. And uh, Bill, when Bill posed, he did just a few poses with, with impact on his best parts. Right. You know, right. Uh, he, he didn't have the greatest back, but he had good proportions. Uh, chest and legs, everything was in balance. You, when you look at Bill Pearl, you can't say we had the biggest arms or the biggest chest. You would say he had the best physique. Mm-hmm. It's important. Overall. When I was a judge at the Mr. Uh, at the NABA, at the NABA, at the natural Mr. American competition, uh-huh. one of the guys that had huge arms, very impressive arms, and he didn't win the, comp- he didn't win the contest. It was not a, a big arm competition. Right. So one of his gym gym friends came and grabbed me, have my nice Italian suit on, dressed up. Grabbed me, because how come my guy didn't win? I said, first of all, you take a lot of my shoulders, or you're gonna be going through the air in a second. <laughs> and secondly, it is not a big arm contest. It is the best physique competition. Right. Your girl is impressive, but he didn't win because his legs were small. He had no calves, and he had the biggest arms there. Yeah. So the guy said, oh. Really? I said, don't you know? Look and see for yourself. I said, well, I'm sorry. I said, good. So next time, look for the best physique, not any single aspect of the person's body. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was in Las Vegas at the same first show. <laughs> <laughs> so when you competed against Bill, how was that? Because was that... Uh, it was fantastic. He was very, very helpful. And yeah. in the warm-up, he just, he just pumped his calves up. He didn't pump the chest up or do any push-ups or triceps. Yeah. He just put some blood in his calf, he said. And uh, we're there, the dumbbells, we're pumping up, and Bill is there just doing some calf work. 
<laughs> and he posed, he posed well. Oh, what a likable man. What yeah. a likable individual. Yeah. But I have found many of the top volleyballers were very, very nice. I've known Al for years uh, and the Franco Colombo. Yeah. My first time in Los Angeles, I'm trying to find Gold's Gym. So I'm driving down the streets, can't find a place to park. Finally, I found a spot. I had to walk forever to get to Gold's Gym. I'm walking down the street, and this Volkswagen pulls up. Doors fly open in the middle of the street, and these two guys front behind me and lift me up in the air. I thought I'm being mugged. It was <laughs> Alan Colombo. I said, put me down, because I can't see the guy. I see the Volkswagen, but I didn't see the, who the two guys were up, and it's Alan Franco had me up in the air, <laughs> and the car is in the middle of the street. <laughs> Oh, We've we, we been best friends for years. Wow. Best friends for years. I, uh, I'm sure uh, Franco's passing. Very, very likely. Yeah. If I got Franco a job, was in the film, um, the one a guy looking like Franco, and I recommended Franco. And he had the, he got the film part. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Yes. How did you meet Arnold and Franco? I met I met Arnold in Germany for the first time. Oh okay. He was shooting in Germany, and then and then I met him in London. We've been friends for a long time. I've known Alf for, I've known Alf since he's like 19, 20 years old. Wow. <laughs> he's a youngster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, funny, witty, very nice. But, but I was a great guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Great did you, did you know back then? When, when you saw him back then, Earl, did you think he was going to go to the top of the sport? I knew I was going to be great. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't look kind of finishing touches. He, he was mess, big and massive. I want to see a bit more proportionate, more blended. But no, he had to, but calves and legs were a weak point. And I said to Arnold, hit those legs harder. And he, he took my advice and he came to the gym and did legs first. He worked his legs until he got the legs up to the rest of his body. Right. He always said you work your weak parts first. You keep working your, your best parts. They get bigger and the weaker parts get weaker. Right. So I always believed in getting your bigger parts, your, your weaker parts stronger and bigger and better to compensate and to have a more proportionally blended overall physique. Right. I think he's one of the best ever. I think Arnold's physique is one of the best ever. Uh, at his best, I think he was the best at, at yeah. his best. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Not the way he looked at that last Miss Universe in Australia. I wasn't impressed with him at all in that competition. Right. But prior to that one, he looked very well. Yeah, exactly. So you finally won the Universe then, Earl, in uh, 1963, right? No, I won in 64. Oh, 64. I'm sorry. You know, so 63, yeah. you got you I got called Joe, ben, Joe, uh, Joe Bender uh, yeah. from New York. Right. And uh, years later, Joe said me, Earl, you should have won this contest because Rich Park who's the chief judge, said to me, Earl should have been this American guy. That's <laughs> <laughs> told me. Wow. Uh, but then I won the following year. Then a guy called Serge Newbray. Yeah. Serge Newbray beat me in 63. Right. I came third. I said, I'll never, ever come third again. Yeah. And then, and then I beat Serge in 64. Okay. How did Serge and, and look? A guy, a guy called Vern Weaver, who won the Mr. America that year, came to London and came third or fourth, said, uh, we can uh, we can win in America. The British standards of judging it differently. I came to the FBB and, and B, I never showed, never saw him. I don't think he even came came in the top six in his, in his class. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, don't have a dear Earl Miller. Don't ever tell me I can't do something. Don't ever give me a dear. Uh uh-uh. uh. Not for where he came from and what he want to accomplish. Uh uh-uh. uh. No 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 no. 
<laughs> no, failure is not a word in my vocabulary. I'm sorry. Right, right. <laughs> how was uh, how did Serge look back then? Back in the '60s. Oh, Serge, great, good physique. Yeah. Uh, he could not get his, his his lower back. He had the chest and, and arms straight, but he, he there was always some missing link. Yeah. Uh, with Serge. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know what it was. His, his back wasn't as developed as, as the, the arms and chest. We look at see the massive chest and arms. First thing, yeah. To me, look at someone who looks at well, what a fantastic, what a great physique. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that body. Look at that physique. Yeah. I never look at the see a big part first. I want to see the physique, the totality of it all. Right, right. And Sirs didn't quite have that, but Arnold in the later had the balance where everything was blended nicely. Right. Honestly, he had a fantastic physique and he posed well. Uh, he took those ballet lessons and so on to improve his posing. And Arnold was a fantastic poser. Yeah. Arnold posed, you, 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 you were in awe, uh, his proportions and how he mastered the art of doing poses that show off his, the best angles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember talking to Frank Zane about this years ago. When I won the, the universe, Frank Zion won best legs. And what I said to him after the show, I said, man, but where did you Frank? He said, sure. I said, Frank, when he came in, now nah, this this baby show, I looked around and I thought you were the one that was going to be a problem. <laughs> I said, no, after watching you in the show, may I say something to you? So what? I said, Frank, you pose too fast. Mm. You work out. You work hard. You go on nutrition. Take your time. Allow the judges to see what you've worked hard to accomplish. Yeah, that was great stuff. I, I love Roman Art. He, what a what a great personality. I hope he's doing well. It was so cute when we did the interview. He was kind of hard of hearing, so his wife was off camera, and she had to keep repeating the questions for her. But uh, he's a great guy, great personality, and uh, really glad I got a chance to talk to Earl. All right, now we're going to talk to another bodybuilding legend, Mike Katz. Mike, of course, was the 1970 Mr. America winner and also the 1972 Mr. World winner. And Mike was prominently featured in the movie Pumping Iron, and he was around during that golden era of bodybuilding at Gold's Gym, training with Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, and Franco and Dave Draper and all those guys. So Mike, of course, was one of the key figures in the golden era of bodybuilding. So in this part of the interview, Mike talks about Sergio Oliva wanting to compete in the 1970 IFBB Mr. America. And this was the title that Mike won, and he had been competing in it for several years, and he thought this was finally his year. And then Sergio surprised everybody at the prejudging by saying that he was now an American citizen, and he wanted to compete in Mr. America, despite being a three-time Mr. Olympia already. And then Mike goes on to tell some stories about training with Arnold, and the rivalry between Arnold and Sergio. Mike, we were just talking about that 1970 Mr. Olympia, and I wanted to ask you an incident. Didn't Sergio demand to go into the Mr. America that year? The, the, the day yeah, that's, the Olympia? Know, that, that, I, yeah that's, a, that's a great question, John. You know, I, I had spent, I think, three years, 67 through 69. Uh, matter of fact, Chuck Sipes won one of those years. What a great strong man yeah. he was. And then it was Frank Zane, and then it was John DeCola, and then, you know, like, I had a good chance to win 1970. Yeah. So Sergio, Sergio's like Cuban. (laughs) Now, whether he was an American citizen, I'm not sure. 
but you know, he, he basically, you know, sort of threatened the promoters about not going into Mr. Olympia if he couldn't go in Mr. America. I don't even know at that time if he was an actual, if he had a citizenship, right. he might have had a green card or something. So they pacified him and they said to him, well, we'll, we'll give you all the trophies, but just don't go into contest. <laughs> so, you know, that was sort of a sidelight of him not ruining my day in the sun. Um, yeah, because probably would have had to give him back because he wasn't. An, I don't think he was an American citizen in 1970. Right. I don't even know if he he must have been because I know he was a Chicago police officer. So yeah, you know historically, I, I, it's hard for me to say whether he was or wasn't. But right. Tommy Minicello, who's one of my group, he was a guy that owned Mid City Gym. Yeah, he, he promoted all the contests then in New York at the Town Hall and at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. And yeah. Those were great days, and Tommy always had my back. Him and Ed Jubinville, mm-hmm. uh, when he was still alive from Massachusetts, they were just great, great, great people in my life. Mike, there was another story, and I think I told you about this the first time we talked on the phone. There was a book called Arnold Schwarzenegger Conversations, and you got and they talked about a story with you and Arnold at the grocery store, and you bought a rump roast for a for a, a, a dinner or a, for a barbecue or something. Tell that story if you would. Oh, man, you, you know, these are all great things for my autobiography, but, you know, I might as well give a sneak preview. Then people might say, well, why don't you write a book? Because I've got a million stories. Yeah. But, and some of them are really, uh, really personal. That one wasn't that personal in a way because, I mean, how personal can it be when you're in a supermarket? Right. Arnold had a, a, you know, like a roast beef, you know, with the strings around it. And right. Had it, you know, the fat cut off. It was probably about... 12 pounds like a shot put. And there was a line, this is at Santa Monica at a supermarket. There's probably about 12 people in line waiting to get checked out and they weren't opening up up in the other registers. So Arnold said, I don't have any time for this. You know, he shot puts the rump roast, the pot roast or whatever, over 12 people. <laughs> it splats down on the conveyor belt. Everybody turns around and they look up and they say, Arnold, and Arnold said, is there a problem? <laughs> and he, 22-inch arms are hanging out, and, you know, everybody's probably on weed anyway back then, <laughs> and, or even now, and, no, man, no, no, it's no problem. Man, no, you know, I know you're in a rush. And I go on. If you were in New York and you did that, there would have been 12 guns or 12 knives out. You would have lasted two feet to the right. guy. If you ever did that in New York City, Alphon, <laughs> you know, is like laid back and he got away with it. So that, right. <laughs> that was funny. And then uh, I heard another story where you were at Arnold's apartment and you were, guys were getting to get to go train at Gold's Gym, and he got a letter in the mail and it had a picture of Sergio with uh, his arm like bigger than his head, and Arnold was like speechless for a second. Yeah, I'll I'll never forget that. You know, and that was. You know, I think Sergio, in a way, kind of deserved that I'm tired, let's rest, when he psyched Sergio off the stage. I think yeah. Arnold remembered that photo, you know, because that was Sergio's way of, I mean, Sergio had a freakish body. I mean, Arnold was gorgeous, you know, like a, you know, just a much bigger version of Frank Zane or... Yeah. I'm trying to think of the other one who, Flex Wheeler, who 
you know, I mean, it's on four. I love flex. In a flex, I'm not demeaning flex. I'm trying to give him an applause. If flex had my motivation, he never would have been beaten. Right. He would be 30 times Mr. Olympia. Right. That's the kind of body, that beautiful body that flex had. That's what Arnold had, but obviously much bigger. Right. And uh, when I saw that, I'll never forget, I close my eyes right now, it was in a manila envelope. It was like an 8 by 10 glossy, probably one that he signed when he autographs at, at uh, posing exhibitions. And Arnold looked, and I, I saw his face just lot. I never saw Arnold that way. I never, ever saw Arnold that way. Although it's interesting, there is one picture also, in essence, in the Mr. Olympia, there's a picture of Sergio hitting the most muscular, turned towards Arnold, mm -hmm. and Arnold's face was on the floor, looking at Arnie and Arnold, uh, that Sergio was that most muscular. So those are the only two times I ever saw Arnold sort of be human and understand that somebody is, is psyching you out. And is when I tell you, John. Sergio, you had now whether Sergio had a tiny pea head, I yeah. don't know. It's but symmetrically, maybe his head was that much smaller. But I want to give him credit. He, his arms, it was a front double bicep. Each arm, each delt, and each pec. So now we got arms, delts, and pecs. Every one of those body parts dwarfed his head. <laughs> You're looking at him and go, what the F? How am I going to beat this? Right. It was, yeah, that was, that, that's another story that's going in the book. Yeah. Did, did he sign it? Did Sergio sign it and say, see you at the Olympia? Yeah, he did. He said, yeah, see you, Arnold, see you at the Olympia. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, did I tell you that or did somebody else tell you? I, I, I read that in a magazine somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, that was great stuff. I'm glad I got a chance to talk to my cats. I've interviewed them several times on the show, including uh, an interview we did after Ed Corney passed. Uh, we did a tribute show for Ed. So thanks to Mike for taking the time to talk to us on so many occasions. All right, so we're going to finish off our fifth anniversary show, part two, with the great Danny Padilla. So I had a chance to talk to Danny several times over the last five years that we've done the podcast. We just did a really long interview about a year ago. So if you guys haven't heard that, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was a two-part interview. So in this part of the interview, Danny talks about meeting Sergio Oliva for the first time and his thoughts on the great Sergio. You were always known for your proportions and your balance, Danny. Did that come pretty naturally? Did your legs develop? Oh, equally? You know for me, when I was growing up and, and looking at the guys, as I got better, I said, the only chance that I have is to have everybody part develop. Yeah. And what? And so I used to work everybody part hard, calves, hams, abs, deltoids, front, back, side. So I did constant work, the same exercises, except as I got better, I added a little weight. Yeah. And so that's what made a difference for me. Constantly working the whole body, never got lazy. I did the calves hard, two or three yeah. different exercises for calves. So when it came time, and I was blessed, you know, uh, for me, eating right and training and whatever else I could throw in the body, I just reacted. 
Yeah. I had those perfect cells that blew up like a balloon. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I you know, I did it a couple times. Nobody could believe it. Yeah. Yeah, because back in the 70s, not a lot of guys had great legs, right? But you had great no, legs right off the bat. Not at all. He, yeah. Even Arnold, as much as people say his legs were weak, he was good for that time. Yeah. He had great legs for that time. Right. You had, you had a surgical or a surgical bray, tremendous upper body, but the legs were a little shy. And even Robbie at his best, he had great hams, but the quads in the front were slightly off and the calves were high. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to me, one of the greatest physiques ever was, was Sergio Oliva. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that guy was not human. Right. Right. I mean, and he was as strong as he looked. You know, he, he had little waistline, huge quads. Tremendous lats, arms, show. I mean, he had it all. Even Arnold admired him. Arnold yeah. knocked one time to the Shrine Auditorium to go see Sergio. And we were told, if you go there, you'll get, if you go to the, that contest, you'll, you'll be yeah. banned from the IBB. Him and I snuck in to watch it. That's how much he thought Sergio was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. What was, the first, when was the first time you saw Sergio? I, I saw Sergio, uh, because they used to have all those IFBB shows in New York, right? Yeah. Really wasn't that first Olympia, his first Olympia. You saw his first Olympia? Wow. Yeah. When I first saw him, I was a kid. Yeah. And I couldn't believe he was tremendous. I know. Yeah. Nothing, I've never seen, and, you know, and he really, he, he didn't diet hard, you know. He just no. trained. Yeah. He, he had a great base from all that Olympic lifting. Yeah. So he just developed a complete, a physique as complete as you can get it. His posing could have been better, but he—he he was just to me. He was the man. I know. Yeah, I, I grew up in Chicago, and um, you know, he was living out there, and I would see him at contests, you know, with the split sleeve shirt, you know, and all the gold medallions and stuff. And I tell people today, I'm like, you had to see him in person to understand. He was when he unbelievable. When he walked in the room, everybody looked. Yeah, he, that guy. Yeah, that's how good he was. Yeah, he was freaking. He was a freak. Yeah. And him and I got along pretty good, but he always argued with Joe, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I never forget the one time uh, freaking, uh, we were in, I think it was in, uh, where were we? we were not Chicago, we were in, uh, not San Diego, we were in some show in California. Might have been Frisco, and Joe Weider sitting there. I'm sitting with Sergio, we're talking, and and then Joe Weider comes over and they're talking, and he would say to me in Spanish, this guy, you got to watch him, you know. He, he, he just, he was, <laughs> if, if he had been a little more down, you know, level off, he probably would have done so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was a very proud man, you know. Right. And I'll never forget a bodybuilder came over, and and we're, him, and he, him and I are talking, and he says, look at the legs on us bodybuilder, and the kid's showing legs and so just get the hell out of here. We're eating now. What's the matter with you, bunch of you know what? <laughs> so Joe, Joe's like, what's wrong with this guy, Don? Tell him to take it easy. I said, he can't help himself. <laughs> but he was just a proud guy, and he, like I said, no, not get the hell out of here. That poor bodybuilder didn't know where to jump. All right, and in this part of the interview, Danny talks about competing in the 1979 Night of the Champions contest where Danny scored a perfect 300-point score but somehow still lost the contest at the end of the night to Robbie Robinson. I'll be honest with you. I never took this thing serious. Hmm. Like I could have. And yeah. Joe would say to me all the time, 
Archer had. You could be the best of the world. I said, for what, Joe? They don't let little guys win. Right. I, 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 I tell you what, I did a show in New York. I'll never forget it. Uh, Night of the Champions. Back oh, I, guess then, I wanted to ask you about that. I don't too. know if yeah. you remember back then. Yeah, yeah. Guys were getting 300. Yeah, they're like, giving points, right. It, it was like it was like the uh, gymnastic where they hold the card up. Yeah, yeah. I'm coming from Europe, okay, and Joe's taking pictures of Mike and Robbie at the Gold's Gym. Okay. Not, not the original, but the second. It was on Second Street now. Santa Monica, yeah. Santa Monica, uh, Ken Sprague's Gym. And so I came in because I had just done a bunch of seminars and a tour, and I wasn't really in great shape. And I said to Joe, what's going on? Oh, they got that show the night of the champions in Beacon Theater, but hell, you'll never be ready for that. <laughs> And I said, so you're not going to take pictures of me, you know, busting, busting the chops? Yeah. Just, why am I going to take pictures? You ain't got a prayer. And <laughs> Rodney says to him, why are you saying that to him, Joe? That guy's nuts. Don't do that. You're going to piss him off. <laughs> so I said, all right, Joe, we'll see. We will see. And that was another show I did 21 days of starvation. Really? I would, I would wake up with saliva on my pillow. That's how bad it was. And I got in pretty damn good shape. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I'm going to New York, and I'm flying, and I get there, and on the way there, I'm eating Snickers because I hadn't had carbs in 21 days. Right. And so Joe's like, Donnie, are you in shape? What, what are you eating that shit for? <laughs> I said, Joe, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm not sure. You know, Joe, I'm scared. I wasn't scared. I was ready. <laughs> And and so, I, I you know, and at the time, I said all these guys pose the Exodus and all this crap. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pose the short people. <laughs> yeah, that was the show, right? That was the yep. one. And yeah. so I get out there, and I get out there, and so I get into the back room, and a, and a, and Nazaro comes up to me, Joe Nazaro. I don't know if you remember him, but sure, yeah, yeah, I remember. New York, and he looked at me and he says. You know, Dan, I'm going to kick your ass here tonight. And I said, Joe, put a little oil on my back because that's all you're doing here tonight. <laughs> so, uh. and, and so, I, you know, I just sat there relaxed. And, and, you know, at the last minute I pumped up because the theory that Arnold and I would have was if you pump up too much, as you come out there, you shrink. I, we would pump just a little bit before so that we were all full and the guys were shrinking. Right, right. That was, that was our concept. Yeah. But make a long story short, uh, you know, I, I was ready. And, and so, of course, Joe came in the back and said, oh, my God, you look tremendous. You know, you should sign a contract. I said, Joe, after the show, we'll talk about contracts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so right now I got to get ready to win. I, I want to win this show. So I get out there. And I get out there, and all of a sudden, you're short people got nobody. And I went like that. And the audience went nuts. That's right. <laughs> and said, the point of up now. And beep, beep, beep. The audience, it was like tremendous. Yeah. I got a stand ovation. Really? I had to come back. And I'll never forget, Boyer Cole was there. And he's, and then right after me was uh, uh, Ed Corning. Oh, okay. his tremendous yeah. I did it yeah. my way. So I'll never forget the guy said, we got to pose after that. But, (laughs) you know, I won every round. I scored 300 and lost. So how did that happen? In the pose? Here's what they did. What people don't remember is they never did pose downs before. 
Right. They came to us and said, look, we're going to have a new thing called Pose Down, and it's just for the audience. It counts for nothing. Okay. It counts for nothing. So, all right, so me and Robbie get out there. We're posing down. After the third or fourth pose down, I said, this is bullshit. I know what they're doing here. Now, I scored a perfect score and lost. And then they said the reason they lost because Danny stopped posing. He walked away. Oh, man. That was the excuse they had. And so so, so I, how, did they, how did they do that back then? I don't care what anybody says. I won it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So they took, the score from the, they, they took the score from the prejudging, and then they added a couple points from the pose down, right? And then Robbie. No, but no, not at all, because when the show was over, Robbie had 298, I had 300. Hmm. And I still lost. What did they say? How could they play that? I didn't even bother. Wow. Hmm. I packed my bags and went home and went back to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bodybuilding Legends Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this fifth anniversary tribute, part two. And uh, we may have part three next week if you guys are enjoying these. If you have any uh, comments or questions about the show, please email me at naturalolympia at gmail.com. I love reading your emails. Please check out the links below. I've got the information on the Transformation Challenge with Pro Physique. I've also got the link for the Muscle Maturity Podcast from Old School Labs on YouTube. And thanks again to our generous Patreon donors for supporting another episode of the Bodybuilding Legends Podcast. If anyone out there is interested in becoming a Patreon donor, just go to bodybuildinglegendshow.com and click on the link in the upper right-hand corner to become a Patreon donor yourself. All right, stay safe out there. Keep training hard, and we will see you guys next week. Take care.